Welcome to Check the Program, a kitchen table podcast by four sometimes journalists who saw a desperate need for arts coverage in the city and decided to do something about it. I'm Amanda Farrell-Lowe. I'm John Threlfall. I'm Melanie Trump-Hoover. And I'm Sarah Petrescu. And today we have a very interesting podcast. Um, we're going to be talking about the latest production of West Side Story, um, 4,000 Miles at the Belfry, Hubbard Street Dance Chicago, and we have a special guest with us, Carrie Wass. Oh, my name is Carrie Wass, a.k.a. Carrie OK. Because <laughs> yeah, I wanted to do the really official intro. Don't yeah, excellent. Thanks, Carrie. Rocking the merch. Yeah. Can I just say, on behalf of the Victoria Theatre community, thank you to each one of you for doing what you're doing because we are desperate for coverage, and you give us that coverage, so thank you very much, just to begin. No, thanks. Very nice. thanks. And you're going to gonna be uh, yeah, joining us and talking about UNO Festival, and feel free to chime in as we're chatting. Like, this is a conversation, so yeah. you're probably way funnier than any of us. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Come on now. No, I appreciate that. Thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll be doing that. We'll just look at you if we can't think of what else. Throw it to Carrie. Yeah, throw it to Carrie. Interlude, Carrie, okay. Yeah. Before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge that Victoria occupies the traditional territories of the Lekwungen-speaking and Coast Salish peoples, including what is now known as the Esquimalt and Songhees First Nations. As settler people, we have the privilege to live, work, and create on these lands, and much of the art we're discussing here has also been created and performed right here. So... Uh, we heard we've heard Melanie and Sarah talk about this dance performance for months. You finally got <laughs> to see you finally got to see Hubbard Street Dance uh, Dance Victoria's show that they brought in. How was it? Come on, let's hear it. It was good. I feel like just to say, I feel like modern dance is a bit of a drug. When you've seen a good show, <laughs> mm-hmm. you need another fix. So you look for the ones, you know, Dance Victoria is great at programming. Mm-hmm. I would say the last great show I saw was um, Aspen Santa Fe Ballet, which is just amazing. And some of the same choreographers in this program. Um, yeah, I was pretty blown away. Mm-hmm. There's so much mood in it. It was, it was a lot of mood. <laughs> it was a lot of bodies. Yeah, also that. Yeah. And bums. And bums. <laughs> There's some good bums. So. so multiple multiple dances within the overall program? Yeah, so the first half were two pieces by Crystal Pite, who mm-hmm. is a Victoria Victorian and um, local favorite, BC favorite, former ballet BC dancer, world famous choreographer, who um, created Betroffen Height with um, Jonathan Young, I guess two or three years, three or four years ago, um, which toured. And these aren't new pieces. These are um, a picture of you falling and the other you, the two pieces in, in this show. They're older pieces. And so these are, it's new dancers performing them. And um, like any young dance company, they're just incredible. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there was a lot of mood in them. Mel, do you want to talk about a bit about the first couple? Yeah, the I mean, and they're so unconventional in the sense that they're not set, set to traditional music by any stretch. And um, A Picture of You Falling was mostly um, sound, a soundscape and then a narration of this beautiful little bit of prose, this poem, kind of a breakup poem, if you will, that repeated 
in in bits and pieces repeated choreography that really emphasized the work and was just so um, by how sparse it was you had like such an incredible appreciation for the technical choreography and the the skills of the two the partnered work uh, the two principals in that one uh, were Jacqueline Burnett and Elliot Hammonds and both were were um, absolutely incredible and so then you went from this really like stark moody breakup portrait to a really kind of dark 20 minute piece of a, a very disturbed man yeah. Yeah. yeah it was a little dark yeah and, and moody but um yeah incredible I feel, I feel like with dance sometimes you have to turn your brain off mm-hmm. and just let your kind of emotions take mm-hmm. over and this one was really engaging so yep. Yeah, two yeah, beautiful pieces. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the second half was quite different. It had a bit more of a comedic, lively kind of feel. That the interesting thing about the show is that the entire program was um, really highlighted men. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, oftentimes guys are the ones who are doing the lifting and, the, yep. you know, sort of playing the, that part. But these really played with male bodies and, perso- and personas, especially in Alejandro Cerudo's pieces. Um, one that was almost like vaudevillian yep. cabaret, you know, show dancer style. Um, that was the one with the bums. <laughs> <laughs> so it was what was really it called? Fun. The one with the bums? Is that just like straight up the title? Uh, something more elegant. Paco Pepe Pluto. So is that Spanish for bums? Is that what it is? And you know, Dean Martin was some of the music. Um, had that sort of yeah, fifties, sixties feel, yeah. and it was quite funny and yeah. very sort of sexy and goofy at the same time. So, yeah. which was such again a mood swing from where we were at the beginning of the piece. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and then it ended with this beautiful all seven principal dancers and this beautiful ensemble piece um, from uh, choreographer Robin Minico Williams, and they did. Um, beautiful floor work with this huge piece of silk where they were disappearing and you know couldn't find each other anymore and yeah mm-hmm. it was just a, a beautiful way to end in a more traditional contemporary way maybe so there was something there for everyone yeah yeah so yeah dance victoria is great you know the price point's a little higher than some of the other shows around town but it's always worth it it's just such mm-hmm. amazing talent well, it's funny that you say that because I ran into a friend actually at my daughter's birthday party um, who had gone to the Night Moves uh, party mm-hmm. and had just randomly been invited by a friend and, and that was the night before. And he had never like been to a dance show and went to the, ended up at the party. It was at the atrium and he was like, that was so cool. It was awesome. He's like, I think I'm going to buy tickets mm-hmm. to yeah. this. And like the Night Moves tickets are pretty reasonable. Yeah, do we know if Crystal Pite's uh, works were on the like were they sort of always in the program, or were those programs specifically because they're coming to Victoria and they wanted to showcase a local talent? Was there any um, talk of that? I think they're in the program. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. they've got a couple touring companies, um, and so I'm not sure where else this group was going. <laughs> but yeah, and I think she was there on Saturday night. I'm not sure. Oh, great. Thanks. Thousand mm-hmm. Miles. I would say is there more traditional. Uh, bell free programming or or more for the silver haired set and this was definitely that one um it's a cross-generational story between a grandmother and a grandson who are both lonely and and um dealing with some demons i guess and reconnect with each other uh to uh 
yeah, just kind of rekindle their sense of family and help each other through um, some some difficult times in their life, I guess. It's yeah, really yeah. a gentle family dramedy. But yeah, a fractious relationship between the grandson and the grandmother, uh, suggestions of family disharmony, uh, early on a suggestion that something has happened between him and the relationship that he might yeah. or might not be trying to fix. Um, it's it's a very strong people like who we saw on stage mm -hmm. the 91 91 year old feisty grandmother who is fantastic uh, just having this this real sense of who she is and a survival instinct for mm -hmm. getting through life and the things that she's had to deal with and infidelity and all sorts of things uh, versus this sort of who isn't really sure what he's doing with life and he's of the generation where you know an organic squash has more meaning to him than a solid relationship mm -hmm. and he doesn't have any money but he wants to borrow 50 of those money. <laughs> Well, that's exactly yeah. so it was yeah. a little too familiar yeah for her. yeah i talked to people in the audience they're like oh no way so we definitely had that visceral reaction yeah. i i was kind of split on it like i liked i liked the staging of it uh i like the direction of it mm -hmm. uh i like the sound design i thought that was very clever it actually worked in bicycle wheels and clicking oh, gears see, and i the thought sound that design. was cheesy oh i thought yeah. it was kind of clever you know I, th I thought it really felt inarguably you know propel the story along right. between the scene changes which were kind of long and kind of yep. dark and um, but what, where it fell down for me, and I was really surprised because this was a finalist for the Peel best uh, best play in I think 2012. Uh, I felt the script was was surprisingly weak mm -hmm. uh, for something that was so lauded. Uh, I wanted more from it than I was getting. Uh, a lot of suggestion and not necessarily a lot of uh, conclusion. And maybe that's I don't know old school of me that I want to get a mm -hmm. fuller story but it's hard to say no i agree and we get a little bit dated too which is strange given that it was just written in 2012 but one of there was this running arc throughout the whole first half and a little bit in the second half of um as john mentioned uh leo the main character has this kind of fractious relationship with a girlfriend that may or may not be breaking up or their relationship may or may not be breaking up and over and over again, the grandma was making fat jokes about this character, so that by the time this character finally shows up, you're that all you're looking at is her body, and she's not like even remotely chubby. No, no, not at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's this whole like comic, uh, physically comic sequence played where she's trying to give her sweet and low instead of sugar, and like Seems the dated. the what? crowd was like rolling in the eyes with laughter yeah. about it. So, and I just, it was such a strange experience that that was still being played for humor in, yeah. in that way. It's kind of like watching old episodes of Friends and Monica's yeah. fat joke arc. Yeah. Right? Which, and I guess, you know, for whatever, Brenda, Brenda Robbins, who was playing the grandmother, I guess it was playing to that demographic, yeah. that age. It was the kind of thing she would kind of joke about, I guess. Yeah, I, guess. I don't know. I, I guess know. it's like saying, you know, like, oh, you know, grandpa's, racist because he's old kind of thing but it was such a crowd pleasing like what i think was more surprising than even the jokes because you're right mm. yes. yeah was how much it played to the crowd sensibility yeah. where you just were like oh man this, this is where we still are for yeah, sure. yeah yeah well, that, that to me is always a sign of a show where the audience is struggling to to find something to hold on yeah. to it's like oh yeah. i'm gonna laugh at this because this is obviously funny right as opposed to i'm not really sure how to take this relationship that i'm seeing mm -hmm. unfold behind before me um so i'm not really sure how i'm gonna react to that but when i get a chance to laugh boy am i gonna laugh yeah you know that kind of thing yeah, yeah I know. just something to latch on to yeah. Yeah. yeah that way seemed that way but it was distracting like very much 
much it it colored this whole perspective of a character and and I think really detracted from her mm. her presence and her arc on stage. But credit to uh, the director Anita Rashan who is in with Pathetic, Pathetic Fallacy at Sparkfest this year. Um, I thought she did a really great job with the relationship between the two characters. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they had this uh, uh, somewhat tenuous relationship, I find it did grow and evolve over the course of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. It, it, it drives me nuts when uh, things happen off stage that we don't see, but then we see growth of a character as a result of that. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to see it on stage. Mm. I don't know. But that's from the outside looking in. Um, Carrie, because you're sitting here, I'll throw you a question. Yeah. So when you get a script and you see something like this, uh, even if the script seems sort of half-formed, uh, do you rely on the director to help you really bring the character out and really connect with what's happening on stage? Like uh, in terms of the, the humor that the yeah. humor aspect of it? <sighs> It's tough. Now that I've gotten into like creating my own things, I take a lot more responsibility for what I put on stage. Mm-hmm. And it's really definitely tough when it comes to comedy. When you look at material, if it is dated or if, it, if it's representing something that you don't believe in, to make it come across as authentic as you would like. Mm-hmm. So directors definitely help. But it's, it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely like doing my own thing a lot more now and taking full-on responsibility for what I put on stage, but it is tough when you're dealt material that you might not personally agree with. It's... Would you have that conversation and say, oh, this feels, I'm not super comfortable with this? So I would think so with that and, and also just my colleagues in general. Hmm. Yeah. You always want to put the best show on stage and to ensure that everyone leaves feeling like they had a good experience. It's not guaranteed, mm-hmm. but that's the goal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really do want people to come mm-hmm. back and say, wow, like, great work with that. Yeah. I, I could see that was a challenge, you know, good stuff. But it is, it's tough in today's day and age, right? Like, As opposed to being the Nathan <laughs> Howes character, the sort of the man-child character, uh, and having people come up to you off stage and say, boy, you've got to get your life together. <laughs> <laughs> or they believe the character is the actor. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think for me... It's a lot harder to play really villainous characters mm. now. I remember hearing a story about the actress who played um, Nurse Ratchet mm-hmm. in yeah, Louise Fletcher. Oh uh, yes, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, yep. and that like after the movie came out, people would see her on the street and would just like dream <laughs> her out, and she was almost uncastable. Even though I think she won the Academy Award, oh, I could yeah. be wrong. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Internet world, I apologize, but maybe she, I think she did. But anyways. I always get like worried about that. Like I'm one time and take on a role that someone's gonna be like, oh no. Probably that kid who plays Joffrey on Game of Thrones. Yeah, He's yeah. probably done. Right. Yeah. No yeah. kidding. <laughs> the rest of his life. Yeah. 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 a prostitute. There's not a lot you can come back from. Yeah. <laughs> so four thousand miles. Um, you know, like you said, a very recent script uh, runs to May fifth. Uh, a very old script on the flip side is West Side Story that's running yeah. at uh, CCPA, goes through next weekend as well. Uh, originally staged in, I think, 1956 mm-hmm. and uh, brought to the screens famously in a uh, year after, I think it was 57, that it came out as a movie. Um, interesting piece to see now because it is, you know, obviously it's a period piece. It's set in the 50s. All the costumes mm-hmm. are 50s. All the language is 50s. The setup is very 50s as well. Uh, I've always liked West Side Story as a musical. It's, you know, it's, 
it's tough to do West Side Story because there's such a legacy behind it. People mm-hmm. come in knowing mm-hmm. every single piece of music. And when you sit down and you mm-hmm. watch it, it's almost like you're watching like one of these greatest hits Broadway montages. And it's like, oh, no, all these songs came from this show. It's remarkable. Yeah, the music and the choreography is uh, just choreography. as iconic. Early mm-hmm. Sondheim, like one of his first shows doing the lyrics for it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but such gorgeous music. And uh, this is a very good presentation of it that the CCPA is doing. Keeping in mind, of course, that it is a student production as well, but a busy student production. 57 people oh, on wow. stage wow. in oh, this. Wow. So it's one of the few times I've ever seen the stage at the Mac look too full. There's, uh, if, if you remember the show, uh, two warring street gangs, and they decide to meet at a dance at a gym and call out terms for uh, this big rumble they're going to have, and it's Romeo and Juliet in a nutshell. Um, but the, the dance at the gym is one of the first early signature numbers in the show, and it's a really great piece uh, choreographed here by Sarah Jean Hosey, who did the whole show. But it's very busy. Like, there's so many people on stage, 57 people on stage, that it gets really crowded. So it's later in the show where we get things like America, the signature song America. We get um, Cool. Uh, we get the marvelous quintet at the end of the first act. Those are the moments in the show that really shone for me. Um, hard to pick out favorites out of 57 people. There's so many people in the cast. They all do a very good job. One of the things I like about CCPA is that they train musical theater actors, so they act well, they sing well, and they dance well. And all of that is in good, uh, good, good presentation here for sure. Um, one thing I did like, though, uh, Matthew Howe, the director of it, he did, he did a few things that I hadn't seen before. I think this is my third or fourth West Side that I've seen on stage. And um, he really tried to drive home the fact that these were teenagers who were essentially in uh, a bad situation, making bad decisions. Uh, so at the very opening of the show, we see two, two of them on stage playing Frisbee, which is like, oh, right away. It's like, oh, right, because they're kids. And then later in the show, there's this dream sequence where after a couple of them are dead and things are bad and people are on the run, it's a dream sequence where we see them again. The cast comes out and they're all barefoot and they're all like, acting like kids. Like they're, they're hopping around and they're dancing and they're being playful and skipping and playing Frisbee and doing this stuff. And it, it's not something I often see in a West Side. Uh, usually they play up the street gang angle, the tough angle of it. But I think this reinforcement of the childhood angle really helped here. So. And they had a cultural consultant mm-hmm. on the yeah. yeah. cities. Yeah. yeah, Baptiste Benet. What did that come through at all? Or? It came certainly came through in the uh, the accents of the Puerto Rican characters, their mannerisms, their gestures, how they spoke. Uh, it felt authentic to me. What do I know of Puerto Rican culture? Only what I've seen in the films and on stage. But it certainly sounded good and it looked good. And uh, I, I came away from the production going, wow, they have a lot of people on, of color on stage for this show. And again, I don't know if that's true or not, but it certainly uh, seemed that way. So I wonder if that factored into this, the decision to kind of portray them more as like, it humanizes these kids yeah, yeah, a little yeah, more, absolutely. right? Like, yeah. As opposed to trying to portray them as more adult-like. Yeah. You know. I'm glad I saw it again now. Uh, there's talk of uh, Spielberg doing a new film version of it uh, mm. with uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda being involved and changing some of the lyrics of the Puerto Rican songs into actually Spanish. Uh, so I think that'll really help authenticize it as well. And it'll be interesting to see if it, uh, you know, if it does carry on for another generation. Mm-hmm. I took my 16-year-old to it who had never seen a production of it, and, uh, and they just loved it. So cool. it still has a, still has power. It's still a good show to see. Yeah. Cool. Oh, okay. Well, thanks everyone. Yeah. Um, I didn't see anything. Again, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I yeah, just 
was doing family stuff this weekend, the uh, Easter tour. But I bet you're looking forward to Uno Fest. I sure oh, am. Segway. Yeah. <laughs> and that is why we have Carrie here, who is performing as part of Uno Fest. Jam-packed lineup this year. Yeah. Lots of great local stuff. Mm-hmm. And some uh, fringe stuff coming back, including Carrie's show. Yeah. Um, I actually brought gifts oh. for you all. <laughs> they are the official Uno Fest. Flyers. Okay. Cool, You're welcome, Sean. Of <laughs> and you see what I've added here. Oh, your you can't face see on it, them. But I've actually added a little bit of you me on there the too. You got the cover. I know. They gave me the front and center little cover. For those of you who can't see, I've altered the uh, front here of the Unifest brochure to have wow, my, my face on it. Wow, and you got a on it. I even got a quote from Check the Program. Yeah. So that's a little that's gift great. for you. So yeah. we've talked about you a lot on this show. Thanks. I know. I appreciate that. Yes, you know, name dropping you every now and then. Um, yeah, of course, we re- reviewed your show um, at Fringe. Mm-hmm. And then I've talked to you about you with the Tom of Bodwell. But for people who may not know you, yeah. God forbid... Can you give us a little recap on your background in Victoria? Yeah, I, so my name is Carrie Wass, and I, I went to the Phoenix Theatre. I, I actually came out of a very like fortunate year, I think. I'll, I'll explain. I was in the same year as Chris and Peter, mm-hmm. Sam Mullins, mm-hmm. Ingrid Hansen. What? All in the same year. All in the same year. Wow. That's, there's Chelsea Haberlin, Sebastian Archibald, Trevor Hinton was a year above me, right? So there's like a lot of people at the same time, but I do feel very fortunate to be kind of part of that uh, that alumni in the exact same year. So yeah, I came out of the Phoenix uh, Theater. I was lucky enough to uh, be friends with Jacob Richmond, who created a character based around me uh, loosely at, well, very literally kind of at the start, but then it changed into Misha Baczynski as a a progress in Ride the Cyclone. And from there, I moved to Toronto and acted over there and ended up becoming a school teacher in Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. Talk about a segue there, huh? No kidding. (laughs) What a ride the cycle. (laughs) Right. So, uh, but now I'm back. And one thing that's been awesome is I was extremely nervous coming back to Victoria um, and performing again in general. I've been, it's been so not a part of my life for a long time. Why did you come back? Um... I knew I wanted to come back to Canada. I taught drama in Vietnam, and it was life-changing. I loved it. Really, it's a totally different world, and I learned so much about myself, and it was very eye-opening. Um, and my students that I taught, they just really inspired me to be creative again. So I knew that I wanted to come back to Canada, and my partner Bernadette and I, we were doing kind of like a BC trip one summer, and she came to Victoria, and as most people do, mm. they fall in love with Victoria, and she said, would you ever want to live in Victoria? It's like, I actually have. <laughs> <laughs> Many friends there. So it's worked out very well. But yeah, the whole the whole Victoria Theatre community, from the Atomic Vaudeville crew to everyone on the, at this table with me, you know, everyone's been so warm, and that's been a relief, mm-hmm. right? Because you, you really kind of, as a performer, get convinced sometimes, oh man, they're not going to like me anymore. They're not going <laughs> to like me. But I've come back, and everyone's been so awesome, so I really appreciate that. And to all the community listening, I, Thank you so much. It's been great. So did you come, because you, you did Timeless Timely Tunes for Fringe last year. I did. So did you come back just before the Fringe? Or have yeah. you been in town for a while? I came back to Victoria kind of full time right before the Fringe. Oh, okay. But this show uh, 
well, yeah, it was debuted at the Fringe Festival, but it was created over time, over the course of about a year, at open mics in Ho Chi Minh City. Oh, really? Where I'd bring my looper and improvise songs about people in the crowd or friends. And I did it at house parties where I'd just do it as a joke. And, you know, then you get so much support in the wink, wink, nudge, nudges of, hey, you should do a show with this. And I thought, yeah, I guess I, guess I could. So... Mm -hmm then came Timely Timely Tunes. So is it an improvised show or what's the Uno show? No, so the show is um, written. Mm -hmm. There are five original songs all based on different stories. Some of them evolve around the anxiety that my students felt in Vietnam and how it kind of affected my own anxieties to create. One of them is called uh, uh, the Breaking Kayfabe, which is about pro wrestling and kind of how in social media, there's a lot of pro wrestling tactics being used to get the, the audiences riled up. And there's also the debut of the first ever, I think, one person hip hop rap crew, one man army, where it's <laughs> myself, four other members, but they're all portrayed by me. And uh, and it's a dream come true. I've always wanted to be part of a rap crew. <laughs> so so you now started your own. I started my own. I saw, you know, like the gorillas. <laughs> you know, the animation characters. Yeah, and I yeah, just yeah, think, yeah. you know what? I'll just become all the characters. So that sounds like you're the character from Ride the Cyclone a little bit. Because you did the rap battle with yourself. Right. Yeah. So for those people who saw the original Ride the Cyclone. All of us. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> got a bunch we of we fell in love with it then. Okay. So do you remember... Brooke and Jake, they wrote a song for the character at the time it was called Corey Ross, mm -hmm. very similar to Carrie Ross, so thank you, Jake. <laughs> um, and I had a rap battle against myself. And Jacob, I remember him taking me to his living room and showing me a YouTube video of Reggie Watts. And he was like, I want to do a song like this where we use this kind of looper. And so we ended up bringing one to rehearsal and using it. And the number was a was quite popular, I think. Mm -hmm. But then, as with many things in the show, they change over time and mm -hmm. it takes on new forms. But it was the one thing that I kept on hearing year after year. Like, whatever happened to that rap battle against <laughs> yourself? Whatever happened? And so it did sit with me for a long time. I always thought, like, there's a whole musical with this type of device. It's there. Um, but I knew that the technology, for lack of better words, wasn't there. And so when this live looper that I'm looking at right now came to be, I realized that's the missing piece. Yeah. Now that the show is possible. So it was that, uh, that led me to, to purchasing the machine, but it all was sparked by Reggie Watts and Jacob Richmond in the living room. <laughs> nice. So yeah. you brought your machine. Um, I did. Obviously people can't see it, so you want to just, just describe it to us? Like, what, what do you got here? Right, so this device is a, called a uh, loop station. What it allows me to do is to instantaneously record my voice and loop it multiple times over in five different separate tracks. Essentially, it's the 21st century one-person band, right? So I was walking down the wharf and there's the, the famous guitarist there. He's got his little box and the pedal and he's yeah, playing this yeah. banjo. And that, it's like that, um, but 2,000 years in the future. <laughs> That's what we got right here. Cool. So, um, so, and this is the only piece of technology you use in the show? This does everything? This does everything. Huh. And it allows me to create the one-person a cappella musical. Oh. Yeah, so when I explain that to people, I say it's a one-person a cappella musical. Um, there's a lot of, I think, rewiring. People are kind of like, what, what, what's that now? And it's one of those things that you almost have to, to see to believe. Um, there are people who do this on YouTube, mm -hmm. but they've never kind of done it 
theatrically the way I've mm-hmm. done it, which is I'm using a lot of like, there's a lot of storyline to mine and um, a lot more dialogue and rapping in my show. They use it more as kind of like a techno. They like to do it. Yeah. It's like a DJ would. You yeah, know? I've seen uh, I've seen people like I've seen Reggie Watts perform. I've seen Beardy Man do. Uh, yeah, he, Beardy Man. Um, I've seen uh, James Blake. Uh, he does a lot of that kind of stuff too. I've seen quite a few people, but nothing in a theater performance really. So this right. would be pretty. Beardy Man yeah. blew me away. Is he amazing? Last year, so I didn't good. know what to expect, and I just. <laughs> But he's like he's more like he does comedy sets with it too. But he does like straight up music too. Yeah, like it's pretty awesome. It it was like yeah, a comedy dance show because the you know everyone in the audience was certainly on our feet just dancing. Yeah, it's pretty great. You couldn't help but break out. It's super cool. Um, So Carrie, you were gonna do a little song. Uh, yes, I'm gonna do a little improvised lick for you just for this show. Oh, perfect. Let's do it. I like it. Check the program. 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 I'm glad I can add to the show. That's so cool that you can just do that on the fly, though. Like, you must have been, like you said, you were going to open mics. That must have taken a lot of just practicing and doing improvising to get to the point where you can just... Yeah, it's actually interesting. So when I ordered it, I was ordering it to Vietnam. But I had to ship it to the U.S. And then I had someone in Vietnam who would get shipments from the U.S. to Vietnam. And then he would bring it to me. So what I'm saying is, it took a while. <laughs> so I would watch YouTube videos of this device and essentially imagine how I would do the track if I were to have the machine. <laughs> and so by the time it showed up, I actually picked it up relatively quickly because I had already seen it in my mind a lot. Like, oh, that button does this. <laughs> and so yeah. it was, but it's a lot of time kind of just hanging out and with the headphones on and figuring it all so out. So you said the show was inspired by students and I've seen the show they're mm-hmm. in, they're in, what, do, how, what have your students, what do they think of it and have any of your students here since you've been teaching, do they know about your uh, life on the side? So my students in Vietnam have been told about my show and um, I don't know if they know how much they are a part of it in terms of them influencing me um, but I think they're coming to realize that. Um, I've actually been in communication with a former student of mine named Tina at spoon underscore X on Instagram and she's a graphic designer and so I approached her about doing the designs for One Man Army, my one person hip hop group Mm -hmm. and when I was telling her the characters and describing them, um, I think she was thinking my teacher's a little bit crazy but she totally was all for it and drew it for me. Um, now the students that I teach here in Victoria, they are starting to realize, and I think when I first tell them that I'm a performer, they think I'm a liar. <laughs> like that's like some kind of trick that I'm playing. And then the other is if I tell them that it's a comedic show, they're like, all right, 
tell me a joke. Mm. And, you know, which is like, I don't know what to do with that. But I always say, like, I think you need to see the show and you'll enjoy it. It's a different side of Mr. Wass. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I've so never you, thought of you before as Mr. Wass. Mr. Yeah. <laughs> so you did this at the Fringe Karaoke, Timeless mm-hmm. Timely Tunes. Um, the Fringe is, of course, uh, an application-based process. You apply for a slot, and if you get it, you're in the Fringe. Uh, Uno is a curated program. So uh, did, did uh, Heather and Sean at uh, Intrepid approach you about being in the show in Uno? Or? Yeah, well, I, I knew I really wanted to be in Uno, and I let that be known to Heather. Uh, she and the entire Intrepid team um, have been so supportive. And I don't know if you've ever had the chance of sitting one-on-one with Heather and her talking about her vision for Victoria and their theater scene, but it's very infectious. And I think we, we have that similar feeling, like we're very passionate about continuing to, to grow new talent and new audience and produce new material. And so she's been fantastic in that. And she gave me the opportunity. Yeah, because it was so short after The Fringe. But her she took a chance and I think she, she thought... Um, that karaoke had a decent audience size at the fringe but that there was still room for more people to be exposed to the show because by the end of the fringe i felt the word of mouth was finally a lot better but it was it was an uphill climb for Mm -hmm. sure at the start Mm -hmm. to get you know people in the seats Mm -hmm. so and how are you because it's my understanding you're taking this across canada yeah you know so is there that same concern about building audience in new cities or do you have it down based on reviews and and what happened with your show in Victoria? Or? I'm doing my best to drum up a lot more uh, social media and self-promotion for the show. So I apologize to anyone who's been following me on social media previous to karaoke <laughs> and post because the amount of posts have ramped up. I was told that I needed to populate it a bit more. So I've been trying to do that and with photos. But yeah, it's, it's exciting going to mm-hmm. London, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Vancouver. So that's going to be a, another kind of fun excursion for this show. And I think a lot of people are going to hopefully have a great time. Yeah, and so you've never done Uno before, I guess. Never. No? That's, it's it's going to be a great festival, though. Um, we have all the shows in front of us here. Um, Heather recently gave a speech at the Intrepid uh, Club. And every show she couldn't speak more positively about and so that's gotten me very excited uh are there ones that that you're that you all are kind of like excited to see i know for me real boy obviously mm. uh heat seeker with hank uh those are gonna be yeah really i'm really exciting. curious about heat seeker i'm uh, interested to see what that one's gonna look like and a, and a couple other uh fringe favorites coming back yeah mm-hmm. inner elders coming back yeah Rock, Rocko and Hug. yeah, yeah. Rocko and and don't forget Rocco and nakota yeah. Yeah. I, totally I know you i know you raved about that after yeah. fringe yeah it is such a it, josh uh Leduac, the or languedoc sorry the performer is just a master storyteller mm. it's such a beautiful um beautiful tale of a father and grandson so and I am happy that it's not May Long Weekend this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, bumping it up early. Yeah, yeah, I think that was a smart idea. I, yeah. Trophy is one of the ones I'm looking forward to because I really enjoy site-specific pieces. Mm-hmm. And that's one yeah, that one looks really interesting. S- yeah, a series of pop-up, almost like uh, little plastic greenhouses. It's right in Fernwood, right? Right in yeah. Fernwood Square, mm-hmm. and I think it'll really work well with the neighborhood as well and having these little yeah, booth-like storytelling options. Yeah, I think my favorite show at uh, Uno last year was um, Landline. 
the mm. that walking tour site specific show, show Adrian's show yeah mm. it was it was very powerful like unexpectedly um, rocked me actually yeah. <laughs> I was like not prepared for how I was going to react to that show 13 shows coming into Uno and it runs from May 1st to the 11th and mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. honestly I can say over the years that some of the most memorable pieces of theatre that have ever toured mm -hmm. to Victoria have come through Uno. I have vivid vivid memories of seeing some fantastic stuff and many of the many of which end up at the Belfry Spark Fest I was going to say yeah you'll well. see you'll definitely see some stuff at Uno that in a year or two down the road if, if not show but performers or playwrights that you'll end up seeing on the Belfry stage at Spark. Mm. Yeah. And Carrie, your show debuts on my birthday, so that's good luck. That <laughs> was the plan. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say one thing too about karaoke, shameless plug? It's all ages. Um, now, there's material that might go over the head of some you know, people in the audience that are younger, but it is 100% influenced by movies like School of Rock and Sister Act 2, mm -hmm. where you could be 5, you could be 50, you could be 500, and you dig it. So I just want to put that out there because they're offering an UnoFest four-show youth pass. It's $20, right, for four shows, and you can split it between four people. $5 a ticket. Five dollars a ticket. I'll say it louder. I'm just saying. So for those people who are getting those youth pass, go see some shows. And if you're worried about like content and mine's all ages, I know some other ones as well are. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be really accessible for a lot of people. And I hope to see lots of families out there. Great. Thanks, Sweet. Carrie. Thanks for cool. joining us, Carrie. Yeah, appreciate yeah. it. And Thank thanks, you again. Thanks for the little ditty. That was awesome. Yeah. I appreciate all the support and. Uno Fest 2019 be there. Yeah, May 1st to 11th. It's coming out. We're a little early out the gates, but we'll have. I think our next episode we'll be recording in the middle of Uno Fest during on Uno Fest Dark Days. So we'll have a little uh, mid fest recap. So that'll be yeah. fun. Um, seeing anything else between now and then? Uh, yeah, I guess uh, a couple things. A couple right? things are coming up. Uh, Blue Bridge is opening their next, well, the first show of their uh, summer season. Happy Days runs mm -hmm. April 23rd to May 5th. Yeah. Did that already open? Uh, no, that no, opens on Thursday. What day is it? <laughs> it's a long weekend. So Langham opens. Langham Quartet. opened. Yeah. Quartet has opened. And it's ready oh, it now. has opened, yeah. Yep. Um, um, I'll be at Count Mar Countess Maritza. Um, Pacific Opera Victoria's um, Opera by Kalman. Starting um, this weekend. And Canoe's show opens on the 30th. And Canoe's The Best of Friends is opening uh, April 30th to May 18th as well. And uh, I'm going to go to Shrek. Uh, Shrek oh, right. Society is doing Shrek the Musical, which is honestly one of my most recent uh, Broadway faves. It's just a fantastic musical. So all that before Uno even opens. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, around the same time. Yeah, yeah, it's a very busy time for theater. Again, now we, you know, we often say that there used to be downtimes for theater in Victoria, and it seems like that is not the case anymore. Yeah, it seems a like lot there's of always programs. Something going on. Yeah, yeah. There's no quiet time. Do who's cast as Shrek? Do we know? I don't know yet. Yeah, I'll find out when I go. Yeah. But uh, I know it's not Mike Delamont because I did ask him, and he said, eh, "Nobody asked me." So <laughs> he would have been perfect. Yeah. Scottish, large, good singing voice. He would have been natural. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, thanks, Carrie, for joining us. It's nice you. having sure. you. Um, we're on social media at Check the Program. You can email us, uh, checktheprogramyyj at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Amanda Farrell Lowe. I'm John Threlfall. I'm Melanie Trump Hoover. I'm Sarah Petrescu. 
And I'm Carrie Wass. <laughs> and don't forget to check, check the, the program. program. Can we play our song again? Yeah. No, let's do it. We'll play the song. Play us out, Carrie. Like Here we go. Check the program. 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 Check the program, 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 check the check the program, 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 yeah.